0: Hey, listeners, I'm Elise Hugh. Every Tuesday this month, we're bringing you music episodes from the It's Been a Minute vault. You're about to hear a conversation from last year between former host Sam Sanders and singer Yeba. A heads up before we get started, today's episode addresses suicide, grief, and a frank discussion of mental health.
1: Back in 2016, the singer-songwriter Yeba performed one of her original songs at an intimate venue in New York. The song is called My Mind.
2: You close the door and lay down next to me.
1: It was just Yebba and an acoustic guitar
2: and that voice.
1: A video of this performance hit YouTube soon after and it quickly went
2: viral.
1: A lot of people all of a sudden We're talking about Yeba. Ed Sheeran was one of the millions to watch it. And he later said it made him cry. But shortly after that electrifying, career-making performance, this performance that kind of changed everything for Yeba, something else happened. A thing that would change everything in a very different way. And then was was it three weeks after that song came out? There was some tragedy. Can you tell our folks what that was?
2: Uh, my mother committed suicide. Um, yeah.
1: This is Yeba, which is just her real name, Abby spelled backwards. Yeba is a nickname her mother had called
2: her. You know, I didn't. I didn't really. I felt like I had lost everything. You know, and and, uh, and I had to go through the first half of my twenties just missing my mom and you know, in denial that she was gone, really.
1: And so, just as doors were opening for her, Yebba slowed down. She wanted time to deal with PTSD and just heal. That led to a roughly five-year wait between that first video for My Mind and her debut album. But in those years, Yebba still made some music. She collaborated with big-name artists like Sam Smith and sung backup for Chance the Rapper, on SNL, she even won a Grammy for a collaboration with PJ Morton.
2: I want to dedicate this to my mother.
1: Yes, yes, thank y'all. But all of that was really part of other people's work. Now, with her debut album, the music is all her own. It's called Dawn, which was her mother's name. Yeba and I talked about what it was like making her own thing, the experience of growing up in church, and what it feels like to shed old beliefs. So make room for new ones. If you had to describe the album thematically in just a few words, what words would you use?
2: I just use grief. A lot of panic. I was frustrated the whole time because I had this idea of, you know, if I ever did make music, which, you know, didn't really give a damn if people heard it, but I just thought you know if I ever made music I would want it to be something that is you know laced with hope and like joy and love and things that you know all of these things that we love the idea of but I was very scared the entire time and very just panicked and Mm -hmm. I feel like I installed a lot of panic in these songs and you know that's not something that idealistically I would want to just give to the world. (laughs) Nobody needs more (laughs) panic. You know, we already have that.
1: So, Yeah. But you know what I felt listening to it? You know, I think that there are some artists and some songs and some albums that purely live in sadness. And people need that for catharsis. They live in the pain. They live in that sorrow for a bit. And then there are some albums and some artists and some songs that are purely about joy and euphoria and ecstatic celebration. And people need that. But what I found with this album, with Don, and with a lot of your work, it is about the journey and the movement from pain to joy and back again. And it's accepting that both of those emotions and the panic in between is part of a full life, and it's okay to live in all of that. And so I find that more interesting and more fulfilling Yeah, but for me and Don, for me is not one note. And I could see an artist like yourself after experiencing the personal tragedy that you did, and having the voice that you have. I could hear a label coming to you or a producer coming to you and saying, "Make a sad album. We could sell that."
2: Oh, they never got the chance to say that to me. You know, when I I lost my mom. You know. Mm. Yeah. When I was in that place of just shock, despair, like desperation, like just wanting to go back home, like you know, nothing that any stranger person has to say can even penetrate that guard, that mindset. It's not even really a mindset. It's just like a. It was just a symptom of grief, and I, you know. I mean, I'm happy, I'm excited, and I was always eager to learn, you know, from whatever music business people, you know, wisdom they might offer. But at the end of the day, I'm just like, all right, well, I got to do this, and I got to do this with the courage that my mom, you know, installed in me before she left. Mm. Mm. And allow myself to be somewhat, you know, of an independent thinker about How I feel about these sort of things, or how it feels at least truthful uh, coming out of my mouth. Yeah. If I'm going to have to sing it, if I'm going to have to hand deliver it to you, I got to make sure that it's got to be you. I can carry the weight.
1: Mm. Is it a weight?
2: I think so. I always try my best to honor my mom and and honor of where i came from to the best of my ability you know this day yeah i'm trying you know
1: yeah so you mentioned feeling panic as you're making this album and panic being one of the emotions in it on top yeah. of a lot of other ones when you hear the album now it's all done what do you hear now on the songs
2: uh, i still hear panic
1: <laughs> okay, okay. Which one is I the most panicky?
2: You know what? I think I, the one, and it's my favorite one, but All I Ever Wanted, I think, is one of the more panicky ones. Yeah. I walked across the wire Straight to the razor's edge.
1: Okay, because that would not be the first descriptive word that I would think of when I think of that song. It's, yeah. it's lush and lovely and, you know, pining for something. But it, I, I didn't pan it. Describe that for me more, how it plays into that song.
2: Um, well, this was at a time where it was like just before. Have you ever gone through a point in your life where you feel like it was just a series of rapid, I guess, changes where old beliefs or old patterns kind of just fell off of you. But it was like right before one of these moments in my life. So then I write this song that's kind of laced with this lyrical skin on it that's like, looks like romance. But But really it's like frustration of God allowing my mom to make that decision I
1: which lyric in that song most gets at that for you was there a certain line
2: well I mean it's all it's all love but I've always said all I God, all I want is your presence in my life that's all I want because I love God's presence and it's what I grew up on
1: Not, and around. Oh, yeah. Not to be too nosy, but what mm-hmm. kind of church did you grow up in? Because I grew up Pentecostal. Did and I you? I was <laughs> the son of a church organist, and I was playing the saxophone in the church band. Oh, my And they were speaking gosh. in tongues and falling out my whole life. So hearing you Sam, talk like this, I'm like, she knows church. Church, church.
2: My dad's a pastor, and he plays organ. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my god! So, I, so
1: like hearing you talk, I'm like, oh, yeah, we're some church babies. Yes, yeah. we are. Yes. yes, we are.
2: come on, Sam, oh, with the, wow. f- let's yeah.
1: go <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Well, and then I was reading that your dad made you like basically praise and worship leader, musical director when you were twelve.
2: Yeah, like thirteen, fifteen, Wow It was a small church, and it was a small town, so he didn't really have anybody probably that had enough free time, <laughs> so <laughs> I w- I- at fifteen, I was definitely picking the songs, picking the keys you know, teaching the arrangements, rearranging things, sometimes rewriting sections. And then, of course, like, there's always like 10, 20 minute gap to do free worship. Oh, yeah. And that's where it just like pours exactly. out. And that's still, you know, it still runs deep.
1: I could tell. Yeah. I could tell. <laughs> what kind of stuff yeah. were y'all doing back there? Was it like black gospel, white gospel, hill song, contemporary? Like we were like, our stuff was like, Songs you might have heard on the plantation. It was down home.
2: Oh really? Our stuff was a lot of hillsong stuff. I just I always listened to like Israel Houghton, Marvin Sapp, oh, Clark my Sisters. Goodness. Come on. Yeah. All that stuff, like in my own Let free me find time. Out
1: you know about the Clark sister.
2: What? Look, oh my, And yes. we would sit there, my dad would dream and he would say, Abby, please, before I die, even if it's at my funeral, please get me a huge choir. And I want you to sing me a gospel song.
1: I love that. We used to jam out on a uh, friend of God from israel,
2: oh yes,
0: uh,
1: we could do alpha and Omega for forty five minutes oh yes <laughs> would we just do it so long I and am he had a this live album mm-hmm.
2: yeah, yep. uh-huh,
1: and his live album from South Africa, I probably played that thing for two, three years, crying every time, yeah, oh my
2: God, there is the Holy Ghost in his arrangements, yes
1: like yes um, yes uh.
2: Your love is too deep to navigate, too high to climb. But still, it's available time after time, after time, after time, after time. All around, Mm -hmm. all around. Uh huh. You like that one? Because that's my favorite I do. one. I do, yes.
1: Oh, I was hoping you'd sing, and you did. I didn't want to pressure <laughs> you, but you sang, and it just warms my heart. Oh, my goodness.
2: Oh, ah. you're, getting these, you're getting these coffee and coffee and cigarette vocals this morning.
1: Listen, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. What song on the album do you think your father, the pastor, would enjoy the most?
2: That's a great question. I think uh, Stan... Yeah. The chorus is definitely something that I think comes from a little bit of my dad. who says, will you stand? It's just a question. It's not a demand on myself, but it is a question. Will you stand? Will you prosper? Will you lean into the timeless, bending, never-ending strength in your heart? Or will you falter? Will you recover after all the love you've lost and lost again? Will you stand? Will you recover after all the love you've lost and lost again? Will you stand, 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 stand? And I always tell him when he comes to one of my shows, if he's there, I'm going to find a way to do. Will you, you know, stand? And then I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned. You know that song? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In all. Of the one who gave it all, I'll stand my soul, Lord, to you, surrender all I am is yours. I'm going to find a way to work that in when we do it yeah. live. I think it'll be fun.
1: Yeah. Now you,
2: know, you got to have worship. Yeah. You got to have some talking too.
1: There you go. There you go. My <laughs> kind of church. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny you talk about incorporating stuff because correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't some of the melody of stand...
2: You, but I don't want also
1: show up in one of the tracks you did for Mark Ronson's album.
2: It does. That's where it started. Yeah. I want you. But I don't want your yes. reasons. Yes.
1: Okay, tell me that story. Cause I cause like I was listening and I said, I've kind of heard a little bit of that before. <laughs>
2: said, <"Whoop."> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's shorter, it's much shorter there. You know, it's called When You Went Away. And this is when I first started jamming with Mark because, you know, we just kind of met here in New York and, and really I just kind of instantly trusted him. And even back when I did backgrounds for Chance the Rapper, I felt like they were my family and same experience with meeting people like Sam Smith and doing a song with him. I always love working with other people or for other people on their records because I get to see, um, especially at that early time, before I wanted to step into any kind of, well, I'm going to be my own artist, bullshit. like, It was really beautiful to see people bring their own records to completion and being a part of that in a way. And seeing the joy and the peace and the satisfaction that they get from saying all right we did that and that was like okay so this is how it's supposed to feel when you really love something and you're proud of what you've made
1: yeah i hear you say how you like to collaborate and be a part of other folk stuff that sounds very church to me because like when you're in a band at church yes. y'all all have to work together The bass guitarist (laughs) is just as important as the lead singer, is just as important as the organist, is just as important as the drummer. It has to be a partnership and and, and a group effort, a total group project. So just hearing the way that you talk about your features, I hear that. I have to say, my favorite feature of yours, well, actually, I can't say just one, but you on that James Francis track, My Day Will Come.
2: Oh, I'm so glad that's your favorite.
1: It's magical every time. I have a playlist in my Spotify that I share with friends called Yabba Essentials. And my day will come as the first song because I'm just like, this one hits me every time.
2: Every time. Sam, I didn't know that you were the one that made that. Wait, what? Oh, you oh, saw it? Did you share it on Twitter? Did you share Yabba Essentials on Twitter?
1: i It's public and someone else might have shared it. But yeah, I,
2: I, I made that. Yeah, I've looked at that before. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, so. I've looked at cats that before. Damn, they really like, you got that, because I'm so glad. When, I, when that is on a playlist of my stuff, I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Because you hear me, you know. That song was one of my favorite ones that's out that I've written. And, of course, I always love writing with James Francis. I mean, together, I really feel like we are both unwaveringly ourselves. Yeah. And... It just ends up being truthful every single time. And I'm, I'm still proud of that song.
0: After the break, Yeba breaks down her song October Sky and explains why it took more than 100 vocal takes to get it right.
1: So, you know, here when you talk about this, there's so much joy in these collaborations. And I think about making your album... It's different because so much of the album is dealing with the grief of your mother's death. And so as you put the album out into the world now, is that joy and satisfaction you feel on your features, is more complicated with this album just because of the grief that is a part of it?
2: Um, now, I don't really see my experience of grief as, as complicated as I did before. Mm.
1: Um, Why do you think that is?
2: I think just life. Yeah. You know, life and time and finding new ways to... You know, accepting and, like, inviting new creativity for my life experience, my day-to-day. You know, It's just different now. It's much more different.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I was reading... Some stuff on you. So, there's a really good comprehensive interview that you did with the Telegraph recently. And you were telling them that, like, in the midst of your grief, your career was still happening. Lots of folks still wanted to work with you, but it was hard. And I believe it was the Ed Sheeran song that you did with him. Was it, you said you had to do like a few hundred vocal takes? Just to get it right? Because it was hard to sing. It was hard to sing.
2: that was for the few hundred vocal takes thing, I believe, was for, you know, October Sky. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Wow. Which is about your mother.
2: Yes. I recorded the October Sky vocal in New York, in L.A., in the U.K. over the course of, like, a year. Really? You know, Yeah. Cause I said, no, that's not how I want to say it. No, that's not how I want to say. It. And you know what? You know, every time I get to the mic, I feel like it's going to come out a different way. You know? mm. And I just couldn't find any, any, you know, acceptance of myself without my mom. So I think that just, you know, affected what I thought about my voice and how I'm articulating these things.
1: Yeah. In this song, I want to just take a little time and tell listeners about the lyrics. Um, I didn't realize what it was about until I played it three or four times, but it's about a, I think it's about your childhood and your mom and like her having fun with you guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. The lyrics say, she slid down the hall in her socks and yelled, come outside. No, 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 nothing's wrong. I just happen to have a surprise.
2: No, 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 nothing's wrong. I just happened to have a surprise. So we fell through the door like the autumn leaves. And I wrestled my brother down to his knees. Just to watch as her rockets shot into the October sky.
1: She would shoot rockets for y'all. That's just yeah. beautiful. That's really beautiful.
2: Well, my mom loved to be a teacher. She loved
0: teaching. Mm.
2: Mm. And every year in October, she'd have us watch, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal (laughs) in his movie, you know, October Sky. Um, And we'd shoot off bottle rockets. I don't know, that's something that just flashed in my head one day. And it was actually very early on. And, you know, I was... course in that state of panic there's always this like (sighs) urge to feel like I have to analyze myself and then that adds to the panic but I felt like maybe this is like a moment of acceptance maybe I won't be miserable after I write it down
1: So you mentioned earlier that in the process of making this album and just in life in general, there are moments in which you're shedding old beliefs. Um, As you put this album out into the world, what old belief shedding do you think it most represents in its entirety?
2: It's difficult to say because I feel like those types of things are the unspeakable, the ones that I don't know how to put into words. Yeah. If I'm walking, you know, down the street in New York looking for a city bike and something kind of just flashes in the back of my mind, I don't really know how to put that into words, which is something that, you know, causes me to still kind of roll my eyes at myself for being an artist and, you know, being self-important enough to call myself that, which, you know, I think is kind of bogus, but it's like... I. I mean, Taylor Swift said it. She's like, the best movies we ever you know, saw were the ones that like we didn't write or didn't, I don't know what it is. But it's like-
1: <laughs> I hear you though, yeah,
2: yeah. The best songs that we live are the ones that we never wrote. Mm. Mm. Terrible job quoting that, but.
1: <laughs> I'm not gonna keep asking you questions all day, but I am gonna say, I so appreciate what you're doing and the realness with which you do it, I'm going to be in the front row at one of your shows.
2: (laughs) Oh, well, thank you, Sam. I'll be so excited to see you when I do.
0: Thanks again to singer-songwriter Yeba for talking with host Sam Sanders last year. If you are in crisis, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. 1-800-273-8255 1-800-273-8255 or contact the Crisis Text Line by texting TALK to 741-741. This episode was originally produced by Janae West and edited by Jordana Hochman. Additional production and editing by Anjali Sastri kirbacek and Kitty Isley. We have engineering support from Quasi Lee. All right, until Friday, thanks for listening. I'm Elise Hugh. We'll talk soon.